0: Morning, So good to be with you today in this second service. I've been asked the question multiple times, um, how much are you gonna gloat uh, this morning, Pastor, uh, about the game last week? And I just wanna tell you some good news this morning. I'm not gonna gloat because I got my Jesus-loving Chiefs fans in the service today. You could be home, you could be home watching the game right now, but my Jesus-first uh, Chiefs loving fans, you put Jesus first, Chiefs came second, and uh, those of you at home right now, uh, you know, you'll have to answer for yourself, but um, really I'm not worried about what they're thinking, because they're not watching, because <laughs> we're in the fourth quarter, so anyway, I won't share the score, some of you have it t but uh, I'm not going to share anything or, or rub it in, because... Uh, Number one is it's one game out of the last 17. And number two is you guys are in church today. And that's why we're here. We're here to worship God. We've been worshiping and praising him today. So that is the reason. And we can celebrate whether we're on the winning or losing side of our teams. Because we're all on the winning side with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Thank you for that today. I just want to share a couple things. One is on behalf of our pastors and staff. I want to thank you for October. For your kindness. Your words. Your notes. um, Some gift cards. Cards. Um, I think I'm going to go, I'm batching it today So I think I'm going to, and the Broncos aren't playing So I'm going to use an Applebee's card that I got And I think I'm going to go there and pull on up to the bar There was a pastor in a bar along with two lawyers and a doctor I'm just kidding Um, I'm just going to sit at a regular table. But anyway, uh, thank you for your kindness and your love expressed to us. Uh, We feel loved all year long. You guys are a great church, and I'm glad to be part of a great and generous church. Can I share something else that you guys are awesome at? Is a couple weeks ago. I didn't share much about it because we were talking about the name change. But at the end, I just shared the opportunity. And 11 more kids in Rio Bamba were sponsored and released from poverty in Jesus' name, which puts us up to... uh, (laughs) Which puts us up to 115. Guys, you, the church, first, second service and online, you, the church, are, have released 115 kids from poverty in Jesus' name. And I just did a little bit of quick math. Um, it's $40 a month. And times that, times 115, times 12, that's about 55,000 a year that you guys are investing to release kids from poverty in Jesus' name. So I wanna say, it's just an awesome church to be a part of a church that has that much love and compassion for others. So thank you for what, for what you're... Um, doing this morning. The last thing I want to say is, uh, before the message is there's these cards here. You belong here. Had several of them this week. I just put one out there. I would love for you to take this each week until they're gone and use it as an opportunity to share who we've become, who we are and invite someone to church. So take this with you today. Take one with you. Um, pastors, uh, they found out in the first service, uh, that we're going to up our game. If you, Find one of our pastors in a restaurant or in the grocery store or any place in our community. Ask them if they have one of our You Belong cards, invitation cards with them. If they do not have a card with them, ask them for a dollar because they owe you a buck. Um, so they have to pay a buck. I saw Brandon this morning, man, he was walking out with five or six of these puppies because he didn't want to be caught down to someone asking the first service, what happens if, you know, you run out and it's like, well, you still have to pay a buck. So anyway, um, you catch me or catch one of our other pastors uh, without our invitation card um, this week, because you need one, you're going to ask, um, just, just get a dollar out of them. Okay. I'm um, just going to have a little bit of fun with that. Thank you for being here this morning. We're going to talk about something that I love. I talked about this this summer in our I am series. I'm circling back to it in a totally different way, but I love bread. Or maybe I should say bread loves me. Uh, bread finds me, Pastor Brandon. Uh, this morning, uh, two weeks ago, uh, we had some more of his cinnamon rolls. No one makes better cinnamon. I mean, there might be some of you in here equal to, but man, the best cinnamon rolls, Pastor Brandon has got it dialed in. And so, anyway, uh, it costs money to do it, so you just can't get them free anymore because I mean, they're just it costs too much to keep up with that. But anyway, I'm not here to advertise for Brandon's, but I just telling you that I love bread. I love all sorts of bread. I love pumpkin bread. I love banana. Bread bread, I love spice bread, I I love sourdough bread in the morning, that's my go-to most mornings, I love sourdough bread, I I love short bread, I love long bread, if there is such a thing, I just, I I love bread, I love bread, and of course we all love the most hot bread. My mom and my grandma's homemade hot rolls, there's nothing better than when those come out of the oven, we love hot bread. Can I tell you something, whether you like bread or not, something we all do. Don't like? 100 percent of us don't like stale bread. I'm to take a smaller bite in second service today. That's been sitting on my counter for four days. I didn't practice in the first service. I took a big bite. We were here for about 10 minutes extra first service. Stale bread there's nothing worse not only can you not talk when you're eating stale bread but it tastes terrible there's no value to it there's nothing to be gained from eating stale bread and even that was too big of a bite in the second service it's actually good that people aren't on the first and second row here this morning because I had breadcrumbs all over Stale bread, nothing worse. We all agree, right? We all there's nothing worse than stale bread. No one, no one looks for some stale bread unless you're going to. There's one good use for it, and that's when Thanksgiving comes and you make it into stuffing or whatever you uh, whatever you do to do that. But there's nothing redeemable about stale bread. There's use, there's nothing really great about stale bread. But you know what's worse than stale bread? You know what's worse than stale bread? Stale What? I was going to go for it. Okay, what? Thank you. I'm glad you asked that question. Um, stale Christians, stale Jesus followers. Nothing worse than stale bread is stale Christians. Um, they're, it's useless, it's tasteless, it adds no value to anybody's life. I was thinking about um, a few years ago, I passed out a book in our board meeting and it was a book that we're all to read through together and go over a couple chapters each board meeting. And really the, the book was about Good teamwork and unity. And it was the first time that we were supposed to come in and have read chapters one and two. And we step into the meeting and someone walked in the meeting and said, oh, I completely forgot to read the, the chapter one and two. And Greg Hoskinson, a part of our church, who may have greeted you out here this morning. He said, no problem. I read the whole thing. All you need to know this. This is the whole thing of this whole book. I can say it in one sentence. Don't be that guy. You remember that, Greg? You said, don't be that guy. And that's what this series, this, this series for the next four weeks called Stale as we head into Thanksgiving, that's what this series is about. It's not to be that guy, not to be that gal. Let's not be the stale Christian. Let's not be the stale follower of Jesus and, and let's not buy into that. So a couple of things I wanna share in that is um, as we're going along here today, there we go. Uh, this series is for the purpose uh, that we would not be stale, but we've said this several times in the last four or five weeks. I'm just gonna keep coming back to it every once in a while, that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. If you profess to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you signed up to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. You've signed up to be an ambassador, an ambassador that is meant to be appealing As followers of Jesus, we should be appealing. Jesus was appealing. In fact, today, Jesus is appealing. There's a bunch of statistics and surveys out there that said a lot of people don't have a problem with Jesus. They got a problem with the church. They don't have a problem with Jesus, but they have a problem with his bride because we're not always Appealing, or always reflecting who Christ is. this series is about how can we not be that guy? How can we not be that gal? How can we be appealing to the, our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our friends? And today's message, we're going to look at two ingredients that makes up bread that makes it appealing, And this is how Jesus described uh, what it is. He says, "You are the salt of the earth." But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on. Well, what is Jesus saying here this morning? Let's first maybe ask the question, what is salt? We all know what salt is, but what does salt do? There's about four components to salt. One is salt preserves. Uh, long before there was refrigeration, salt was used to help preserve things, used to help protect things, used to help it last longer. So salt is a preservative. We know that salt adds flavor. Some of you, you too much salt puts you in the doctor's office because you like salt so much. But salt adds flavor. It preserves. It It's small and it scatters. I mean, if I was to have one grain of salt in my palm today and throw it up in the air, we would not find it. I mean, you would not find it. So Jesus uses this terminology to be salt uh, with these thoughts in mind, preserving, adding flavor. It scatters and it spreads everywhere. When you throw salt out, I mean, when I'm seasoning my hamburger at home, uh, frying up some hamburger, the salt gets around the rest of the stove. I mean, it's just, it's meant to scatter. It's meant to go everywhere. Salt preserves, it flavors, it scatters and it spread. At the time that Jesus was sharing this with the disciples, that you are the salt of the earth. When he was sharing that with them, with there were a few in number. There was just a few guys. There was just a few gals. And he was he was putting together his team. And they felt honored and excited to be a part of this team because they were going to help build... The kingdom that he was talking about, they were going to build the kingdom of God, and their idea of the kingdom of God was what you would think of the kingdom of God. You would think something great. You'd think something big. You would think uh, like chief's kingdom. You know, seventy thousand. You think you think an army of people. You think you think big when you think kingdom. You don't think small. You don't think insignificant. So at this point. They're just kind of getting started. And I wonder if there's a little bit of uh, disillusionment, a little discouragement, a little bit of maybe being overwhelmed because they are small. They're not big in number. And to be a kingdom, you have to conquer and you have to beat the other kingdom as the Broncos did the Chiefs last Sunday. You have to beat the other kingdom. Stay with me now, stay with me. You have to beat, you have to beat the other kingdom. But Jesus said, no, you're, we're not gonna do it with sword. You're going to be the salt of the earth. You're going to be the salt of the earth. But if a salt loses its saltiness, what are we going to do? He's talking about how he's going to build his kingdom. And he's, he said, We're not going to build it with a sword. It's not going to be with guns. It's not going to be with swords. It's not going to be with spears. It is going to be with something that, this is exciting, guys. You're going to be salt. You're going to be little. You may seem like you're insignificant. You may be small, but you, to to build the kingdom that I'm gonna build, we're not gonna do it by force. We're not gonna do it by sword. We're gonna do it by salt and another ingredient. We're gonna gonna do it with yeast. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until until it worked all the way through the dough. Pastor Brandon, the first service uh, was yeast, one of those ingredients that he used to make those awesome cinnamon rolls. Absolutely. You you need yeast in, in something because, in bread, because it does a couple things. One is, It works through. It works through the whole thing. It spreads out. And so the salt and the the yeast is spreading and that, that spreading makes that bread rise. It helps to help the bread rise and then it helps also to add flavor. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, no, we're not gonna take this world by force. We're not gonna take it by storm. We're not gonna take it by sword. We are going to take it a little bit at a time and it's going to spread from one to the next and it's going to take over like yeast and it's going to work itself all throughout like, like it works through dough. I'm going to put you out in the world. You're going to be scattered. He's given them a picture of what's gonna happen. And remember after the persecution uh, that they were scattered and that's what scattered all that salt everywhere into Europe, into Asia and the rest of the world. And we're here today because that salt was scattered in the early disciples and it worked through and today it's still working through and we are part of those little salt speckles or whatever you call them. What do you call an individual thing of salt? A what? A what? A grain, hey, that's a noble idea. A grain of salt, we're like a grain. But all of us, little grains working together, spreading out into our workplace, spreading out into our teams, spreading out into our schools, spreading out in our communities, all of that salt and that yeast working its way. He's saying, "Uh, my kingdom is gonna rise and my kingdom is gonna spread and it's gonna rise and spread through the little grains that I have throughout the world. It's gonna spread and I'm gonna build my kingdom. What does this look like? It's a great picture, but what does this look like practically speaking? Matthew 5, 13 again, it says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. What does he mean? What does Jesus mean when he's saying, lose your saltiness? When we lose our flavor, when we lose our ability or we're not protecting what he's entrusted to us, when we're not, we're not spreading the kingdom of God, when, when we don't have the grace of God working in our life, when we're void of spiritual life, when we become void of spiritual life. When we become void of Jesus and his grace, and that's what that salt is, Jesus and his grace is that salt. When we become void of that, when that is no longer flowing through our life, we lose our saltiness, we become tasteless, we become useless, we're, we're not helpful anymore. So what is it to be salt? How do we become salt? Let me share a couple things with us today. Two things, one is this, to allow the grace of Jesus, to be salt is to allow the grace of Jesus which is salt. The grace of Jesus is that salt. Let the grace of Jesus to be added into your life and let the Holy Spirit or that yeast work in you to raise up for his glory. We're, we're not to be graceless Christians. In fact, I think that's an oxymoron, graceless Christians. Because true followers of Jesus Christ should be gracious they should be filled with grace they should be sharing grace they should be, they should be spreading grace Matthew Henry says, as a man without reason, so is a Christian without grace. It's an oxymoron. If we've received grace, we're meant to give grace. But when we stop receiving that grace, when we stop allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our life and, and to correct us and admonish us and lead us and to guide us and, and to do what the, the psalmist David said, search me, O God, try me, test me, see if there's any wickedness in me, if there's any wicked way in me, and draw me to the rock that's higher than I, there's this invitation. When's the last time that we or you and I invited the Holy Spirit to examine us, to look at us, to test us, not to condemn us, but for the purpose of wanting to be an ambassador for, for, for Jesus Christ? Let the grace of God work in you so that the grace of God can flow through you. That's how grace works. And the more that we're filled with the grace of the Holy Spirit, the more we're given him permission in our life, the more we say, God, I'm surrendering. It's, I'm yours. You can do what you want with me. You can correct me. You can direct me. You can lead me. You can guide me. I'm giving you a, a full reign of my life. When, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, through his word, through the church and the body of Christ, through, through prayer, when not just do, not just reading the word, but when we, when we do this, James 1, and we do what it says, When we're allowing the Holy Spirit, when we're allowing God to work in our life, you're here this morning, you may not realize maybe you did, you're allowing God to work in your life. When you show up to church and you're gathering with the body of Christ, you're allowing God to work. Now we can come here with closed hearts and not allow God to work just because you go to church doesn't mean you're allowing God to work, but it's a great place to start. Just because you open up the word of God doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's working through your life, but it's a great place to start. Just because we pray uh, doesn't mean that the Holy... But it's a great place to start. Allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. Let the grace of God work in you so the grace of God can flow through you. It's the byproduct of every true believer. The grace. The grace of God. Secondly, let your words be gracious. Gracious. Because of the grace that we received, let your words be gracious or seasoned with salt, preserving and adding flavor to your relationships. What does this look like? Well, simply put, are your words and actions, are they adding flavor to your relationships? The words you spoke this last week to your spouse, did they add flavor or did they leave a stench? Was it flavorful? Was it it seasoning? Was it adding? Let your conversation, Paul says, be always full of grace. Always is such a big word. This morning, I walked in on a conversation. Uh, Tony was leading a a guy in our church, was leading a little small group and he was trying to instruct a couple of our young people and they were were talking about the words, um, you always. And I just chimed in on the conversation. I said, hey, if you'll use you always in your relationship with your girlfriend, Oh man, you're going to go places. Oh, if, I mean, when I use you always in my marriage and I say you always, I mean, it's just, they're like miracle words. It's amazing what they do when you say you always, we were having a little bit of fun with that. So we hear that always, that's a big, it's a tall order. And we all fall short of the glory of God. We, we all blow it. I blew it this week with my mouth. I'm certain of it. I don't, I'm not gonna sit there and remember when, but we, we're not perfect. You probably said some words that you wish maybe you could say, or you should have said some words that you could have said, but let your conversations always be full of grace. We'll never be there, but what we can do is allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life that hopefully five years from now, I'm more gracious and more grace-filled than what I am today. I hope today that I'm more gracious and more grace-filled than I was five years ago, but we're allowing the grace of God to work itself into our lives through the Holy Spirit, through his word, through the church. Let your conversations be the product of that is to be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone? We should taste good. We should add flavor. When you show up to work, when you show up to school, when you show up to your team, when you show up to your neighbors, I mean, what what, what are they tasting? What are, what is it? Are they excited? Or are they? Is there something that uh, I think about Heather's gra- uh, uh, great grandfather who turns 105 uh, this November 14th? And when we have family reunions, he is the party. I mean, he is the one that everyone, I mean, we can have 50, 60 of us there, but he is it. He's the one that we're all trying to get close to because he's gracious, he's kind. I don't know if he was always that way, but something's been working in his heart and his life. He's gentle, he's gracious, he's kind. We want to be around him. We don't have to you do it out of being nice or being nice to an elderly person. No, we want to be around Grandpa. We want to be close to him. All of us want to to be in his presence and all of us want to, if he goes to another area, we're kind of all working our way to that area because there's an appeal to him. There's a graciousness. There's a a flavor. Jesus uh, was recorded in Mark's different words than Matthew. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves. And be at peace with each other. Have salt. What is what is that salt? That's the grace of God. Have grace. Show grace. Extend grace. Be at peace with... I mean, this is a recipe for a good relationship. This is a recipe for a great marriage. This is a recipe for, for a great work environment, a great school environment, is that we have a salt among you, that we have grace amongst ourselves. And that we're at peace with each other. We're endeavoring to live at peace with each other. I don't think it's an accident that the Apostle Paul opened so many of his letters, closed so many of his letters with grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. Because grace and peace is a big deal. It's a big deal when we're, when we're flowing with grace and peace, when we're endeavoring to be peacemakers, we're endeavoring to, to share grace, giving people what they don't deserve, giving them, giving them the benefit of the doubt. When we are doing that in our relationships and when we're endeavoring to live at peace with one another, it is a good thing. So, how do we lose our saltiness? And how do we know if we've lost our saltiness? I think it's pretty easy. It comes out of the mouth. It's easy to see. Our mouths tell us if we're worth our salt. Our mouths are a dead giveaway if the grace of the Holy Spirit, if the grace of God is working in and through our lives you don 't have to go very far and i 'm not saying we stand in judgment of one another, but you just don 't have to go very far or watch someone very long to see if grace is working in their life, if that grace is working through the fabric and the being of their spirit and in their life when, when they 're sharing grace when they're, where they 're being gracious where they 're being kind when they 're sharing words that maybe you don 't even deserve but it 's those those things that are flavorful, those things that draw us in our mouths tell us. If worth, worth our salt, a good person, Jesus said, produces good things from the treasury of the good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Friend, God's grace is gonna flow through you based on what you're putting in, what you're filling yourself up with. And if you're filling yourself up with the word of God and you're acting upon that word of God and you're you're forgiving as Christ has forgiven you, you're loving as Christ has loved you, if you're being kind as Christ has been kind to you, as kindness is what leads us to repentance, if you're allowing the kindness and the goodness and the fruit of the spirit to work in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, not your own power, this isn't a self-help, go home and I'm gonna be better this week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work harder. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat. No, you, we need God's help. We need the Holy Spirit. We need him working in our life, little by little, working, our, working his way farther into the fabrics and, and the, of, our, of our being. A good person produces good things from the treasury stored up in him. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So what's coming out of your heart? What's coming out of your mouth? Tells what's in your heart. Are the words you're saying at work or, and in, the, in your school, do they taste good? Are they palatable? Are, are people drawing to it? Are your words in your marriage, are they tasteful? Are they useful? Or are they tearing things down? Are they breaking things apart? The tongue has the power of life and death. It's a powerful proverb. And and there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is the, the tongue has the power to kill and, and it has the power to destroy and destruct and, and hurt and divide and break down and, and do all sorts of havoc on a relationship and in our marriages and in our places at work and in school, it has the ability to kill. In our words, they're either killing the relationship and they're destroying the relationship and it's heading towards destruction or words, they're adding life. The good news is, we may have words that have been destructive and, and hurtful and destroying, but you know, their words are powerful. And the words, I'm sorry, are powerful. And the words, as I said in the first service, the words, I'm sorry, without a but. You know how we say, I'm sorry, but you said that or did that. And we disqualify the whole apology. It's not heartfelt, it's not real. And Whenever we take our focus and focus on the other person, instead of allowing God to work in our heart and our life, I mean, this is not a message where you sit there and go, you know what? I sure hope so-and-so is listening. I hope my wife's listening. I hope my husband's listening right now. No, you've missed the whole point. God, I need you. I need your grace. I need your Holy Spirit flowing through me. I need you working in my life. Yes, we all need God's grace, but I need it most. Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. I need you most. I need your grace. I need your love. I need you working in me through your church, through the word, through prayer, through giving you permission to correct things in my life, to being humble enough to say, I'm not going to look at the other person anymore. I'm going to look at me. That's the only person, God, that you can do something with. I can't control the other person. All that you can do, Lord, is do something with me. Do something with me. Because the. The, the great thing about the tongue is yes it has the power to destroy but it also has the power to do some incredible things through the power of the Holy Spirit the tongue has the ability to build stuff to do great things to make an organization awesome, to make a church awesome, to make a family awesome. When we begin to share through the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we begin to the overflow. And when we're letting God, we're saying we're allowing God and his grace to work in us and through us. That grace is gonna, can't help itself. It's like a full glass of water. It can't help itself, but to spill out. It's gonna spill out onto other things. And we're either spilling out venom and bitterness and brokenness, or we're spilling out forgiveness and love and kindness because of what the Holy Spirit and his grace is doing in our life. What about us, church? What about Inspire? And I know we're kind of getting used to this new name and this new thing, and it's okay. It takes a little while to get used to it. It's kind of weird and different for me, and it's kind of been around for me for a little while now. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but I'm, I'm really falling in love with the name Because it's something that I want to aspire to. It's something I want us and I see us as a church aspiring to. I see us being salt and, and, and. And, and expanding like yeast and dough I see us expanding the kingdom of God through all of us when we leave this place being spread out and scattered and the love of God going into different workplaces where I can't go and going into different schools that I can't be at and, and being where we can't be for each other but just being spread out like salt and, and, and I get excited about it but I also feel a great weightiness to it I feel a great responsibility Because the last thing we want is to put a name outside that people see and we're anything but that. We don't want to just slap lipstick on a pig. We we want to be the pig. I guess. I just came up with that. I don't think we want to be a pig. If I had a third service, maybe we'd strike that one out. I don't have a redo on this one. But... We want to be the real deal. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. We wanna be the real deal. And we're not gonna be the real deal going out saying, hey, I'm gonna do this. If you start with, I'm gonna do this, it's not gonna happen because this is not about us doing this. This is about giving God permission, open up our heart and saying, God, I want your Holy Spirit. I want, would you do more in me? Would you work through me? Would you correct me? Would you guide me? Would you lead me? Would you admonish me? Will I give you permission? Search me, try me. If there's things in my life, would you just, would you help me? Would you help me to just... Chip that off like you do a pot the pottery and the clay, just begin to chisel that away. Would you chisel me? Would you would you turn me into something that is attractive and beautiful and inspiring to others? Second Corinthians. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Friends, how do we taste? How do we smell? When you show up at workplace tomorrow, when you show up at your schools, is it a good taste? Are, are people drawn to you? They can be. You know, the greatest testament in our lives is when we allow God to work in our stuff and in our brokenness and our hurts and we just begin to be honest with God and say, God, I'm not what I once was, but I'm not what I'm gonna be either. You're not done working on me. I'm a work in progress you're not finished with me yet you're not you're going to finish what you started but when we allow god to work in us and we I just see salt leaving this place. I see uh, yeast leaving this place and spreading everywhere. And you go into your workplaces and you go into your schools and you're going to your teams and you going into your places in the marketplace. And I see salt and I see see hot, fresh bread. This world is not in the need of more stale Christians. They're in need of something fresh and hot and something that's on fire and, and, and allowing God to move in our hearts. God, use us. Use us inspired church to, to be a place that is spreading your love, your graciousness, your goodness, because friends, you are the salt of the earth. We're the salt of the earth. God's counting on us. He's counting on us to be His ambassadors, to spread that good news, to spread that love, to spread that kindness. To, to, to lead a life that it earns respect and not ridicule. And this isn't about being perfect. Some of the most Holy Spirit anointed words that you can say at your work, in your school, or in your marriage, or in your relationships is I'm sorry without the button. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been sharing words that have been negative, negative, not useful, not helpful. Not building up my coworkers, not building up my spouse, not building up my classmates. I'm sorry to you, Lord. And maybe the best thing you do is say sorry to someone at work this week. Say sorry to your spouse this week. Don't, don't qualify it with a but. Surely they're probably deserving of maybe the words that you're sharing with them. They don't need, we, we do need the truth of God. Let God be the truth. Let him spread the truth. Let us be the people of grace. Let us share the grace of God. The truth of his word, but the grace of God flowing in our lives. If you're sitting here today thinking, you know, my spouse just (laughs) pastor, you don't understand. They need to hear some truth first. You missed it. God's working in their life. Can we trust God to work in their life? Just allow God to work in your life and extend the grace of God because you are the salt of the earth. What an invitation. What a responsibility. If you're not salty here this morning, you feel like you've lost your salt, Jesus is the salt. Jesus is the grace. And he has the power to restore and turn us into a beautiful creation of Christ and make all things new. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you for being a great people today. I only said one thing about the Chiefs. Did you notice? That's twice. Only one thing. I want to be gracious. I want to give grace-filled words. And I was telling the first Wednesday prayer, Wednesday night. I said, you know, this church is awesome. You guys have been so good to us. My family loves this church. My family loves this community, loves this place. And a big part of that is because you guys are awesome people. And you're gracious and kind to us. But I began to think about it. And I thought, if I were in your shoes, I'd be gracious and kind to the guy that's lost for the last eight years too. So how gracious are you going to be moving forward? Man, I get one victory under my belt and I get all cocky here. So Lord help us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your church today. Thank you that here standing before me is the salt of the earth The salt of the earth is before me. This is how you're spreading your good news. Through our acts, through our kindness, through our graciousness. And Lord, if we've fallen short, and certainly we have, thank you that you don't treat us as our sins deserve. Thank you that you give us what we don't deserve. You give us your grace. You give us your mercy. So Lord, I I don't want anyone going away here today Beating themselves up, may they receive your grace and your love. But then in turn, may we extend your grace and your love and let it flow out from us. Words are powerful. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed this morning. Words have meaning. Jesus said, I mean, Paul said that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord that we're saved that we have a relationship with him that we're made new in Christ and today no one looking around but just you me and God and I won't call you out and embarrass you but today words matter if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus died on a cross for you you can be a child of God this morning if that's you this morning will you just quickly raise your hand raise it high where I can see it thank you thank you in the back thank you in the front thank you in the middle thank you to my left and thank you to my right we're going to pray a prayer together Let's not let this, these words lose their meaning because we all need them. We all need to stay in a place of confession. But let's pray this prayer together. You can open your eyes. We're gonna pray a prayer of confession together. Believe in our heart, confessing with our lips so that Jesus can be our Lord. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and that you are the savior of the world. I ask you to come into my life I repent of my sins. I accept you as Lord and Savior. My God and my friend. In Jesus' name, amen.